I got to tell you, I'm just like super excited of the word that I feel like the Lord has given to us this morning. But I just know that, um, like, I, I didn't know quite how to start off, and I guess it will be a little rocky, and I'm, I'm really sorry for that, and I'm, I'm learning, so bear with me. But I really feel like this morning, what I, what I wanted to even start off with is that I feel like what the Lord is starting to do is that he's, causing, he's calling each and every one of us to a higher calling. It is not something that I believe in 2022 that we are to stay in the place that we exited 2021 and to stay there. But what he is doing is he's causing us to rise to the surface. He's having things come into your life, and I don't know if I'm the only one, but I feel like the pressure has really started to kind of boil up a little bit more, and, and life has seemed to gra- grasp us a little tighter, and, and things seem to be coming at us a little harder. But I know that above all else, with the middle of all that, I take great pleasure in it and, and rejoice in it because I know that the more the pressure that the enemy puts on us is the greater blessing and anointing that God is going to pour out on his people. Can I get an Amen. And it's like, and, and I don't know if you've been feeling it, but I know I've been seeing it a lot as your youth pastor, as me and my wife lead the children and the youth pastor and we, and we work in the school. But I just know that this next generation that's rising up is going to be a mighty and powerful generation. I know that our children that are starting to, to, to realize their identity ra- is wrapped up in God and not of the lies that are being spoken over them. I know that they are about to grasp the, the horns of the bull and be able to, to move it and shake it and stir it because I'm telling you right now that our next generation that we're rising up is not just a bunch of kids and a bunch of games that they're going to be playing, but they're going to be taking new ground in the kingdom of God. And you and I get the chance to be able to be a part of it. You and I are a chance to be a part of that. And, I, and you're saying like, no, 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 but Pastor Tim, I don't go in and help on a Wednesday night, even though, you know, it'd be awesome if you did, but that's okay. I don't go in and help on a Wednesday night or I don't help on a Sunday morning, which would be awesome if you did, but that's okay. But I don't do those things, but I'm telling you what, I believe what really is starting to happen with the people of God is that the Lord is calling us into a greater prayer life. He's calling us to be more on our knees. My mom always tells me that how can you stumble when you're down on your knees with God? And that's the thing that we always want to go after the most is because I can realize I can do it all of myself. I can try to do everything of my own. But how much more greater when I partner with the Holy Spirit? How much greater is it when I partner with him and I begin to to enter his throne room of, of mercy and grace and come boldly before him? I mean, like, that's the thing. Like, Esther came boldly before the throne, and some of us get so passive that we just let it go by. You know what I mean? It it started to kind of get to me this week that I was realizing, it's like, man, I want to do so much as a father. You know what I mean? Like, I I want my kids to be blessed. I want them to walk in this goodness that God has for them. I want them to walk in the anointing. I want the next generation that I'm leading of, of our young people to walk in that anointing. But I can't lead them if I myself am not willing to go there. I can't lead him if, if I myself am not willing to spend time with the Father and, and teach him about intimacy with God, but yet I myself am just trying to get through the motions and the tasks. But it, let it really be a heart posture that I want to see all that he's got for me. I want to spend time with him. I want to spend time in his word. Even last night as I was preparing for the message, um, I, didn't, I had my headphones on and I had the noise-canceling noise um, uh, feature on my headphones on. Um, my kids were already in bed, so I did the father thing. I put them to bed. 
Um, I was, you know what I mean? And, I, and I, I went into my room, and my wife wasn't there, and I just put my headphones on, I put the noise canceling, and I just started just praying as I was putting notes together. And next thing I know, I find myself on the floor, just spread out in the presence of God, not even listening to music, but just listening to this guy pray uh, of revival and pray of anointing and pray of what God's doing into this next generation. I'm just praying and praying with him and going after his presence. And then something touched me. And it was my wife that walked into the room. And I, I, I was ready to come up swinging, you know what I mean? Like, back up, back up. Because <laughs> um, I knew the doors were locked. And she was like, I was ringing the doorbell. I'm sorry, but the noise-canceling feature was on. She was like, I've been in the house for a few minutes. I'm sorry. <laughs> but, like, but let that be our heart posture, you know what I mean? Let that be our heart posture that we drown out all the noise around us. Let it be our heart posture from here on out that I just want to seek his presence and all that he's got for me. And not even just like, I, I'm, now please, like I know I say like all that he's got for me, and it's not just seeking him to get the blessings, but it's seeking him because I just want to know him more. I know that he's got blessings for us, and I know that he's going to, to pour out the increase on us, but my heartbeat lately has been God like, give us fresh revelation, but also give us a revelation of good stewardship to be able to contain and do what you really want us to do, to be able to be good stewards, because how much does he want to bless us financially, but I might not be a good steward with my money. You know what I mean? Like, he wants to do so much in our life, but yet I'm not willing to put in the work to be able to understand the, the kingdom stewardship that he's got in my life and what he wants to do and how he wants to do that. And so, like, that's been, like, my, my, my prayer so much um, as I've just been, like, so many things, like I said, in my, in my journal that I've been just writing, like, I just want to just seek his face even more. I just want to know him even more. Like, I want to know him with a greater, greater, uh, greater intimacy with him, a greater, a greater time of just spending with him. Um, a, a lot of times, I, I, when I'm counseling or tell, t- talking with people, um, with our young people, I try to tell them, they're like, man, I just can't wait to read the whole Bible, and I think that's great. You know, but first download the Bible app on your phone so that you can be able to read the Bible. Now, now I know, like, I would want them to buy a paper Bible, right? And we want them to buy the marker so they can highlight it and do their thing. And yes, I totally get that. But in today's generation, with everything being done on our phones, our tablets, our computers, hey, I don't want it to be where the enemy has snuck in into the electronics to try to grip hold of our, of our next generation to try to get them to think wrong about each other or to think wrong about society or to think wrong of or the wrong identity, what I want them to do is what in the middle, what they're holding on into their hand is their, their telephone or their, their cell phone and be able to know that the verses that, that have impacted me so hard can be able to be, to be, able to, uh, be sent to them, to be able to be read by them. And so I, I just know that God is doing so much in, in us and through us and into the next generation. But I feel like this morning what the Lord is doing and, and what the, the message that I have for us um, is that he's calling us to courage. He's calling us to courage. He's calling us to a greater awakening. He's calling us to rise up. And he's calling us to be able to see what he wants to do and how he wants to do it. But we cannot stay in the exact same place that we have always been and expect God to do more than he's ever done. I feel like at times, it's like I I want God to do so much more, but I'm not willing as Peter to step out of the boat. 
I'm not willing as Esther to go and break every law and stand before the king. And if I perish, I perish. I'm not willing to take that moment of, of, of fasting and prayer when, when the disciples are trying to do things. And Jesus says, all these things will come about but by prayer and fasting. So that would be my heartbeat for us this morning that when we take, when we're going into a call of courage, it's the ability to do something that frightens us. Yes. How many of you like to be frightened? <laughs> I mean, not like, like my wife last night when she, you know, touched my arm and it freaked out. Um, you know, I'd like to say that I got up like swinging, but I think I got up and more like screaming. Um, I'd like to, I'd, I'm just going to throw that out there. I'd like to, to, you know, say the manly thing is like stood up and was like, back up, you know, back up. But instead I like screamed and flailed and then fell to the bed or something. I don't, I don't remember. I blacked out for that moment. <laughs> okay, we're going to have some fun. <laughs> oh, I'm telling you, one night I was closing up the church on a Wednesday night. Um, if I've told you this story before, I'm very sorry, but you're going to hear it again. And I was closing up the church and Pastor Christy, love her dearly. She's so amazing. But she likes to hide in dark corners. So I'm closing up the church. It's like first or second time we had taken over, or we had just taken over the youth group. First or second time, a lot's going through my mind. Like, man, so, no, this is going crazy. This person was there. Oh my gosh. And I'm, as you're going through, you're turning off lights. And um, as you do in the house, you know, doing the father thing, flipping off lights, closing up the church. And I come around one of the sides of the building, and they're having worship practice. And I was just thinking of something, and all of a sudden, from this dark shadow of a corner, Pastor Christy jumped out. And she didn't even jump out, like, super hard. She just kind of went like, rah. And I screamed so loud that all of heaven, I think, shook at that moment. Jared said that they were in here playing, and, and the people, the worship team looked around, and he just goes, that's Pastor Tim. Pastor Christy scared him. <laughs> <laughs> so, so take it easy on me, though, okay? So, if you're going to scare me, take it easy. Um, <laughs> but courage, the ability, to do, the ability to do something that frightens us. Strength in the face of pain or grief. Strength in the, pain, in the face of pain or grief. For this morning, I'm going to run through, I don't like, have like a starting verse, but I'm going to run through a couple snapshots of a few people that I believe that showed great courage. And I hope that in between there that you will be able to um, identify with some of the things that they may have felt. But I know that this morning what the Lord is going to do is, is cause us to identify the things that may be faced, that we may be facing today and causing fear in our hearts, but to recognize that when we have a true encounter with the Father, He lay aside every fear and He gives us His mercy, His grace, and His power to overcome. So we see when Moses at the burning bush encounter, Moses is, 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 is a servant um, is born of a servant, the servant people in Egypt. He's saved by being put into a basket and put into the river, and he's drawn out by Pharaoh's daughter. Now, again, like, you can find this in Exodus 3. I'm giving you a quick snapshot, so please be like, Pastor Tim, you missed a bunch. I'm trying to give you a few things because we're going to get to it. So he was, he was raised by Pharaoh's daughter. He was raised in royalty, but, but still had the feeling of not knowing exactly where he was supposed to be or what he was called to do because Moses... Um, Moses' family had come in and, and ha started to be like the midwives or his tutors. And I'm sure that they had that opportunity when they could to be able to speak the true identity of Moses. You are not 
of the Pharaoh's, Pharaoh's household, but you are called for a greater purpose. That's why I believe it is so important for community to be around us. Because it is a chance and an opportunity for you to be able to speak into my life, to be able to say, Pastor Tim, I know God has called you for more. You don't have to act like that. You can be better. And it's an opportunity for us to be able to speak into your life as leaders. Hey, I know God's got a purpose for you. We might not be acting like it at the moment, but we're going to call you up because what the Lord wants to do is so much greater than the sin or the mess that's trying to push you or to, to try to wrap themselves around you. Does that make sense? So Moses is going about, and one day when Moses is older, he sees that an Egyptian is having an argument and, and treating a Hebrew person very unpoorly. And Moses goes over and actually ends up killing the Egyptian person. Some, sometimes when the Lord is calling us to courage, it's going to be as Moses to stand up for injustices that are being done. Because you and I will see them from a kingdom heavenly perspective. Then not merely of what I can get out of it, but what does God really want to do in this person's life? Because he is calling each and, every one, uh, each and every one of us up to be encouraged to the people around us at our jobs, to the people at our school, to the people in our family, and, and even, even, excuse me, and even into our own household for us to speak courage into them. I, it was interesting enough that um, I asked my, my oldest son, Micah, he's actually in here, so I asked him for permission to be able to share this. I wanted him to come up here and share, but he, he said no. Um, but last night, I get done putting the notes together. It's like super early into the morning. And uh, I get into bed and um, like, or maybe I was just finishing. I think I was just actually, yeah, I was just finishing the notes. So I'm putting everything down and in walks my son and kind of scared me at a moment. And I turn and look at him and he's like in tears. And I'm like, dude, what's going on? And I, I don't know, like, you know what I mean? It's, it's early in the morning. So I jump up and, we start talking, and he starts talking about this dream that he had. And he starts saying in the dream, I can't really explain it. That's all he kept saying, like a lot. Is, I can't really explain it. I can't really explain it. And he said, but in the dream, I looked at myself, and I was hideous. Like, I was, like, like so, like, I was unrecognizable. Like, I could like, people couldn't, you, I was so, like, messed up. And he's like, and it scared me so bad. And I woke up. And I'm like, dude, like, first off, we're going to speak true identity into you. And we're going to let you know that, like, whatever dream or whatever thing is trying to attack you to tell you you're not good enough, that's, that's a lie from the enemy. And so me and my wife get up, and we start, we start praying over him. And, um, you know, of course, my wife's holding him and rocking him, and, and I've got my hand on his back, and we're, we're praying over him. And then he, he decides to go back to his room. And so I'm kind of waiting for him to make his way on back. And he slept the rest of the night, which was amazing. And so today I was asking him, I said, you know, what did you feel? And he said, when I got back to my bed, I felt such peace. When I got back to my bed, I felt like, like being comforted or being comfort. And he said, like, the thing that was, like, trying to scare me was no longer there. And can I, can I, can I say this to us that, now, again, it's because of the voice of his parents that was being spoken into his life. But I think even the more was because his parents knew that it couldn't just be the affirmations that I could speak into him, but it's got to be the affirmations that our Heavenly Father is going to speak into him. 
It's got to be the voice of our Heavenly Father that speaks into my son's life to be reminded that you don't have to be scared. You don't have to be fearful because the Lord, your God, loves you. And that's where Moses, I feel like, is starting to get where he, he, he sees this injustice happening. And then he, the next thing that ends up happening is, is the Bible says that he goes to the Hebrews and they're arguing amongst each other and he tries to break up the fight. And what do they do? They speak to the insecurity in his life. And they said, are you going to kill us like you did the Egyptian? He's, they, I mean, it, could it have been even this exact same Hebrew person he just saved the time before and is now saying, are you going to do to me what you did to that Egyptian? Do you see the, like the, like they, how they spoke to it? And that's what caused Moses to flee is when the identity that was being spoken into him was the wrong identity. It was speaking to the hurt, the pain. I'm sure Moses had stayed up all night wrestling with it because he knew that I, I can't do that. I'm not supposed to be like that. I shouldn't have made that decision. Has anybody ever felt like that at a moment where it's like you wrestle with yourself all night long? Like, man, I shouldn't have said that. Man, I shouldn't have done that. Man, I, I messed up and, I, and all these things. And it's just like the enemy to all of a sudden start poking at that one little spot to try to get us to mess up even more. Because to remind us almost like Moses did when he fleed and he ran and yet let it be our heart beat or our, our us that we recognize that we know who to go to when problems or situations arise. It can't be that I go to my own strength or what I can do or it can't even be to the lies of being been spoken, but yet let it be the truth of God that he loves me, cares for me, and he wants me to run to him. And he wants me to, to, to extend my arms and say, Daddy, here I am. You got to pick me up. You got to take care of it because, man, I made a mess. I made a super mess. But I know that you are faithful and just to forgive and forget. And so Moses flees to the wilderness. There he meets his wife and starts to work with his father-in-law. And one day the Lord meets Moses on the backside of a mountain. The Bible says that the fire of the, of the, the Lord was burning the bush. It like engulfed it in flames, but it would not burn up. Moses says this, and you can read it in your Bible. He says, why is that bush, uh, bush not burning? I must go to see it. The Lord had an encounter with Moses at that very moment because it was burning and yet not being burnt up. I'm sure Moses at this time has seen numerous fires and numerous uh, um, bushes being burned and, and being flamed up in an instant, becoming nothing but ash. But yet here, Moses sees something completely out of the ordinary, and that is the fire's burning, but the bush is not being uh, burnt up. The bush is engulfed with flames, and then Moses says, but I must go to see it. If that would have happened with you and I, would it have been that we would have found the quickest fire extinguisher of our own thought that God cannot speak like that? God does not do that. And so at the end, we end up quenching, quenching what the Lord really wants to do in our lives. How many times have we have maybe even stopped? In today's generation, we would have stopped, took a selfie with it at first, you know what I mean? To make sure like, hey, hashtag burning bush, you know? We would have stopped and we would have missed an opportunity 
because we would have been more focused on what the fire can do for me than what he wants to do through me. We would have missed that opportunity because the Lord wants to continue to work through our lives. That is why it's not this, we're saved, poof, we're in heaven. No, wait a minute. He's got a job for us to do. We get to walk and to experience him even more every single day. That's why when the burning bush experience happens with you, I promise you the greatest thing that we can do is ask God, what can we learn through it rather than just to quench out the fire and let me get through it? Romans chapter 12, verse 11 English Standard Version says it like this. Do not be slothful in zeal, but fervent in spirit. Serve the Lord. Do not be slothful in zeal. Again, going back to, we need to be good stewards of what the Lord has given to us. And if he wants for us to be uh, able to take on more, to have more capacity, to be able to see more, do more, and see more healings. But what it's got to be is we cannot be slothful in it any longer. But we've got to be fervent in our spirit. We have got to be, the Bible says that effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much. It's got to be that we get ourselves in the prayer closet and we just get into the presence of God so strong that I'm not going to move God until you bless me. I'm not going to move God until I see revival happen in my family, in my friends, in my marriage, in my finances. We are no longer going to be slothful in our zeal, but we'll be fervent in our spirit. Fervent in what we do for him. Fervent in how we play, fervent in how we sing, fervent in how we preach, fervent in how we live, fervent when we walk into our school, fervent with our head held high in confidence at our workplace. It's fervent in spirit that we must serve the Lord because he wants to do so much, but you've got to say yes to him. Does that make sense? Sorry, I started screaming. We don't want to do that. We're going to, got a little fervent. (laughs) (laughs) fervent fervent in our spirit that means that no matter what comes my way I know in the God that I serve that means that when trials and circumstances come foundation cannot be shaken because I'm fervent in my spirit it means when, when things are beginning to be said about me, around me, through me, in me, whatever it may be, but I know that within me is greater is he that is in me than he that is being in the world. I know that greater is he that is in me than the thing that is coming against me. I know greater is he that is in me than the thing that's coming against my family. We've got to be fervent in our spirit. We cannot allow complacency to happen anymore. We cannot just allow us to be able to sit and buy and just watch things happen. But what it's got to be is, is there anybody in the house that says, I've got to be fervent in my spirit. I, I, I refuse to allow statistics to be able to take my generation. I refuse to allow statistics to happen to my marriage. I refuse to allow statistics to happen to my finances because I am a son of the living God. I am uh, no longer ripe, no longer bound by fear, but we are children of God. So let us walk in that in zeal and faith and in hope. Okay, I got off topic. No, I didn't get off topic. I got off my note. God calls out Moses from the middle of the bush. Today, I believe that he's calling us to do the exact, or for us, he's calling us the exact same way that in the middle of the burning, in the middle of the trial, in the middle of the circumstance, in the middle of the heartache, in the middle of the pain is where we will hear the greatest voice of God that is causing us to get up higher with him. 
because he does not want to just bring people out of bondage, but he wants Moses to be able to know that he no longer has to walk in fear, but he can walk in confidence that he is a son of God. Moses has this conversation going back and forth uh, about, are you really sure, God, that you want me to lead your people? Don't you know what I've done? Don't you know who I've killed? Don't you know what has been spoken about me? Don't you know that if I show my face, I'm sure they're going to try to stone me or, or, or send me to trial? And you want me to lead your people to a land of milk and honey, a land of prosperity and goodness? You want me? Are you sure? Has anybody ever asked that question? Okay, thank you. Yeah. Exodus, amen. That's what I'm saying. Exodus chapter 3, verse 11 through 12 from the New Living Translation. And we're going to break into this. And it says, but Moses protest, uh, protested to God, who am I to appear before Pharaoh? Who am I to lead the people of Israel out of Egypt? Verse 12, God answers, I will be with you. And this is, this is your sign that I am the one who has sent you. When you have brought the people out of Egypt, you will worship God. You will worship God at this very mountain. One portion of the, of the scripture says that when Moses met God at this burning bush experience, he was at Mount Sinai. And what God says is when you bring the people out of Egypt, when you get the people to, it, to know that it's really me, he says, you're going to bring them back to the mountain that I encountered you with. He says, you're going to bring them to the place that I have started to download true revelation of who they are, what they can do, and who they will be, and where they're going. He says, but I'm going to bring them to the part where I have met you face to face, where I have met with you and talked with you. Because again, as we are going to raise up the next generation, or even ourselves or the people around us, it is going to be because the experience of the burning bush experience on the mountain that he has called us already to. God wants to bring us to the place, to the very place that we may be feeling unworthy to be at. We may be feeling, how can I, or why should I, or I can't even, or I'm not good enough. Mark, uh, Mark Moses argues with God so much, even to the point with his speech and he says, please, Lord, send someone else. How many times has it been our cry that please, Lord, send somebody else? How many times has it been done the exact same way as Moses that I can't do it, God, because of what I've done in my past? I can't do it because I'm in mistakes, failures, heartache, and pain. I don't come from the right heritage or the right lineage. I don't come from the right legacy. I don't have the right last name and yet you want to use me. And the whole entire time I could just hear God saying, and that's exactly why. I was talking with someone this past week, and they said, you know, I'd love to do this. I said, what, what, what's your purpose? What's your calling? I, I just want to know, just, we're just talking. And, um, and uh, they said, this, this, this is what I feel like the Lord's leading me to. And I was like, that's awesome. That's great. And they said, but I just, I can't do it. I, I don't think I'll be able to do it because, um, you know, I, I'm, I'm not like you. I was like, what? Wait, hold up, you know? And they said, I don't, I don't think I can do it because, um, you know, this, this, and then they started naming things, and they started saying, like, well, I'm, I'm not, like, I was like, I, I just stopped them. I said, time out. Times. Let me, let me just, let's break this down for a minute. I don't come from the right background. I think I've shared that with you guys before. I've had my own struggles and pains, and I've definitely shared that with you guys before. 
I've have been, been had the own addictions and my own things in my own life. But I told him, but what really separates is that I got that verse stuck in my spirit that I've got to be fervent. And I've got to chase after God as hard as I can. Because here's the thing. When we say yes to God and we give our life to him and are baptized into his name, we take on his legacy and his heritage. So it doesn't matter where you come from. You, don't, might, be, you might be too tall, too short, too big, too skinny, too whatever. Not, not, you might be feeling I'm not good enough. Then here's the thing. That's a lie from the pit of hell. Because if you have given your life to Christ and proclaimed that Jesus is my Lord and Savior, you get to take everything that he has already won victory for. And you get to walk in it. You get to be able to know that, hey, I don't come from the right heritage. No, 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 no. Your new heritage is the new last name that you have. And that's Jesus Christ. Your new heritage is the God that lives within you, that created heaven and earth, created you from the dust of the ground. Your new heritage silenced the voice of every lie and enemy when he took on the form of man and died on the cross and then rose again. It's the same God and same spirit that rose Jesus from the grave. It's the same spirit living within us that causes us to be fervent in what God has called us to be. Does that make sense? Okay. All right. I really went ahead of my notes. So Joshua chapter 1, verses 6 through 9, out of the NIV, thank you. It says, be strong and courageous. Everyone say, be strong and courageous. Oh, come on. Say, be strong and courageous. Yes, because you will lead these people to inherit the land I swore to their ancestors to give them. Verse 7, be strong and very courageous. Okay, be, say, be strong and very courageous. It says, be careful to obey all the law my, my servant Moses gave you. Do not turn from it to the, right, to the right or to the left, and that you may be successful wherever you go. Keep this book of the law always on your lips, meditate it on day and night, so that you may be careful to do everything written in it. Then you will be prosperous and successful. Have I not, verse 9, have I not commanded you, be strong and courageous, do not be afraid, do not be discouraged, for the Lord your God will be with you wherever you go. That is what I feel like is the most amazing thing. I pre I've, uh, this last revival night for our youth group, I preached this exact same verse because I wanted them to realize that they can be strong and courageous because the Bible has already said, wherever they go, the Lord will be with us. Wherever, the Lord is giving a command here that, um, to Joshua as the transition has been happening from Moses to Joshua. He tells Joshua, you are going to lead my people, but you have got to be strong and courageous because it does not matter where you came from. It has everything to matter with who are you walking with and where are you going. Everything to, to, that matters is who are we holding on to and where is he leading us. We see that David was just a young shepherd boy tending to his father's sheep. Man, something about being a shepherd that the Lord just all of a sudden, you want to you wanna really hear the voice of God? Man, start helping lead people. Really start getting into the work and, and seeing what the Lord wants to do. When you start to really rely that it's not by my might or by my strength, but it's by his spirit. So Mo, uh, Moses, David is a young shepherd boy tending to his father's sheep. When the Lord sent the prophet to anoint the next king of Israel, 
He sends him to Jesse's house, David's father's house. David's father has all his older brothers go in front of him. And I'm sure um, as they're shredding their stuff in front of the prophet to show that they really are the one that God is calling to be the next king of Israel. Each one of them as they stand tall, as they stand strong, and as they stand brave with all the correct armor, with all the correct words, and each time the prophet hears from God and God still says, that's not the one. That's not the one that I want. And so the Lord tells the prophet, ask if there's any more sons. And Jesse says, I've got one more boy who's the youngest of the litter. I've got one more boy who I don't think that's the one you really want. I've got, and here's the reason, here's the reason being that I believe that is because he didn't call David with the rest of his brothers when they were supposed to parade themselves in front of the prophet. If, if Jesse had really thought that David could be chosen, he would have first brought him in with it. But he says, no, he's doing a work. Let's leave him. He's doing the little stuff that no one else wants to do. And David may have been maybe a little bit smaller than his brothers, maybe a little bit skinnier, a whole lot maybe less battle experience, so they thought. But when David is called in before the prophet, I'm sure the prophet begins to hear and be downloaded from the voice of God, that's the man I want. And each one of us, as circumstances, trials, and situations come into our life, you may feel like God doesn't know me, he doesn't see me, he doesn't love me, he doesn't care for me. And yet the, the whole entire time you are coming to church to hear some young guy get up from the pulpit and say that you're the person that he wants. You're the person that he cares for. You're the person that he died on a cross and rose again because he says, doesn't matter what's happening to you, what matters is what he wants to do through you. Is that he wants to call you up to courage to recognize that it is not by my might nor by my power, but by the spirit that lives within me. He looks at the list of people that should be chosen, and yet it's not David. But when David stands there, the prophet hears from God, and God says, I'm going to cause David. Uh, the Bible says, I'm, I'm adding in there, paraphrasing, is that God says, I'm going to cause David to be the one to rise up. Because no one had seen yet or maybe even heard about the victories that David had already won in the presence of God before. Because we don't see those, he doesn't talk about those things until later when he's with Saul. Right then and there, he's just talking, he's just David. Like, he's coming through with his, with his shepherd's staff, with his, with his harp. I mean, he's coming through just to stand there in front of this guy and then the prophet says, that's the one God wants, because don't look at his outward appearance, but God really looks on the heart. The call to courage is not going to be always going to be from the outside, but the call to courage to you and I is going to happen from within. It's going to be when you feel that I can no longer go on in those secret, deep, dark, down moments, is that the call to courage that the Lord really wants to do is to remind you that I've called you for such a time as this. I told our young people that we miss them when they're gone. And Pastor Tim, that's cliche. No, really. We get in the car and me and my wife will start talking, man, we didn't see this person. Man, we didn't see that person. Um, you know, we, we got to keep praying for them or, or whatever it may be. And, and we're going through. But I believe more than that, 
that there's such a spirit of suicide and depression that has been coming against this next generation, even here within our own city. And oh, no, 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 it's not, it's not no, Caldwell, no, we're, we're God's country, you know what I mean? No, 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 there is a spirit that is coming against our children and our young people because he's realizing if he can get them, there's no one to pass the baton to. And so what I started preaching to our young people is that you've got to stay here. You've got to stay right here because I'm going to miss you. And if no one else has told you they love you, then I'm going to tell you I love you. And if no one else has your back, then I've got your back. But you've got to stay here because it's the call to each and every one of us that we've got to stay here. Not just in this physical building, but we've got to stay here because there are people relying on you and what you're going to do. Because they might not be, not be saying it to you, but they're watching you to see how are you going to handle the pressure. How are you going to handle the circumstance, the situation that comes into your life? And this isn't for guilt and shame, please, no. I'm saying that this is because God wants to cause us to call up into him, to sit in heavenly places with him, to do the work that he has called us to do. But I'm telling you, it's going to take a village, and it's going to take all of us coming together. It is not going to be because of something just of what I've done or the program that I put together or the revival night that was happening. I'm telling you, this last revival night, I, I saw it more than ever. I had like 10 different leaders that were there. I was able to go into the room and finish up my notes. I was able to walk around, do my own thing, because I had people there that were already connecting with the kids. I'm telling you, you got to get the correct people in your life. You've got to get the correct people that want to see you come up into God. Not tear you down, but rise up to who God has called you to be. You've got to connect yourself with them as much as possible so that you and I can be able to grow into who God has, God has for us and who God has called us to be. 1 Samuel chapter 16, verse 7, from the Message Bible. <clears throat> Excuse me. 1 Samuel chapter 16, verse 7, from the Message Bible. It says, but God told Samuel, looks aren't everything. Looks aren't everything. Don't be impressed with his looks and stature. I've already eliminated him. God judges persons differently than humans do. Men and women look at the face, but God looks at the heart. Men and women look at the face, but God looks at the heart. The heart posture is so important to each and every one of us. I can get up here and I can preach to you all day long. And I know you'd be like, dude, it's, you know, it's social Sunday. We got to get to lunch. But I can preach to you all day long. But if my heart is not in the right place, that's more what I went after last night. I'm just being honest with you. Is that okay? That's more what I went after last night. I put the notes together just a couple minutes but I spent more time just on my face in my, living, in, my, in my room in the presence of God because I just kept praying, God, let my heart be beating for you. Let my heart be ever calling after you. Let my heart be as the deer that pants after the water after a long run that needs replenished and needs restored and needs revived and needs refleshed. Let it be my heart posture and let it be our heart posture that every time we come together, it's not just about what we can get, but how much more can we lavish upon the feet of our wonderful and amazing Savior? 
How much more can it be that we proclaim the name of Jesus, not just so that I can get through my problem, but so I can see my brother saved and set free, and I can see my sister delivered of the torment that she's been feeling, and that my heart posture be that I want to see the glory of God fall in this house so strong that people are not even able to stand because of the glory that is beginning to happen right here at Valley Church. And I just don't want it to be that it's on a Sunday morning. God, I want it to be in our Sunday school department. I want it to be every Wednesday night when our youth group meets that the glory of God begins to change the mindset of our generation that they don't have to uh, uh, self-harm or or to commit suicide to be able to escape the fear or the pain or the anguish. But they have a loving Savior that loves them and cares for them and died for them that they can have life and life more abundant. Man, it's fervent prayer of a righteous person. It doesn't matter whatever, uh, and I love, I love what we do here. Please hear me out. I love what we do here, but let it be that our prayer is that we want to see more people changed by the gospel of Jesus Christ. Not just another program that we can put together. Not just another thing that we can come together and laugh at and joke at. But let it be that when they walk into this house, they feel the love of God. And I know that's our prayer meeting's uh, heartbeat as they meet every Wednesday morning. I love it. I was in there one Wednesday, and our kids, we have a school that goes on Tuesday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Valley Christian Academy. And, and you can hear the kids, you know, running through the halls, even though they're not supposed to, but they're running through the halls. And, and, it's, and, it, and it, you hear, like, the, the, the people all sitting together, and I was watching, and you hear, and I was like, dude, come on. And you saw one person, they like looked up and they were looking all around. And this lady turned to him, they had to be new. And this lady that was, they were next to or that maybe came with, they turned to him and said, that's the school I was telling you about. That they have children here learning about Jesus and they're learning here at their school. And she just went, okay, that makes sense. And they got right back into prayer meeting. And I love it so much that you can hear as much in the prayer meeting as you can hear the kids in the hallways is as much as that prayer, prayer meeting on Wednesday morning, they can hear you when you're worshiping and you're praying. And our kids are being heard as they're lifted up in prayer. Our next generation is hearing the prayers of a generation that says, I refuse to let go. I refuse to let them go by. I refuse to let a generation go by that doesn't know exactly who they're called to be. And that should be every time we come together and every Sunday school teacher, as they go into their classroom, we're constantly talking about we are speaking not just into that generation, but two generations from now. That they're going to know the gospel of Jesus. They're going to know their true identity in him of what he wants to do because God is calling each and every one of us to courage to stand for him. David goes to take food to his brothers and he hears the call of the giant that is standing day after day and testing the people of Israel, calling out the ones that maybe look apart, act apart, but don't have it down deep inside, calling out the ones that have just started to say, like, I, I think it's okay, we'll let, them, we'll let them scream, we'll let them stay on that side of the mountain. And yet they themselves are hiding behind trees and rocks. And David, as a young man, stands there and says, why are we cowering when the God has already given us the victory? 
David begins to, fan, I, I believe strongly that David is living out what Paul is telling Timothy in 1 Timothy to fan the flame of the Holy Spirit that begins to ignite within you the fire that God wants to burn brighter. God wants to shine brighter. God wants to do more. But we have to fan the flame with the courage to know that it is God who lives within me is greater than he that is within the world. And David begins to stand up and everybody tells him, whoa, hold up, David. Like, you don't know what you're doing. You know what I mean? Like, you were just on the backside taking care of sheep. And now you're going to be talking to us about taking care of this 9-foot, 10-foot, 15-foot giant. And David's response is, yes, I'm going to take care of him. And you know what they did? They sent him to the king. They said, this man's crazy. He needs to get in front of Saul. He's got crazy faith. He's got crazy God image in him, thinking that God can do something. He, he's, he's not, we don't do things like that. We, we tower and hide, and, and we run in fear. David's standing. We don't do that. And David gets sent to King Saul, and King Saul begins to talk to him and tell him, you cannot stand before this giant because he has been a, a practicer of, of war since his youth, and you're nothing but a youth. Saul speaks to his identity, and he speaks to his current situation. You're too young to be able to face this giant in the, lie, in the, in the land. But David responds with, the presence of God that he has walked in every single day has given me victory after victory. That when a lion came against the sheep, I killed it. And when a bear came against the sheep, I killed it. And he says, and if God can do it for those little victories, I know he can do it for this big victory. Within your heart and your mind, I'm declaring this morning that we want it to be that it may be a small victory you may, the victory may have just been that you got dressed and came to church this morning. That's a victory. The victory may just have been something super small that their shoes or their kids are not on the right feet, but they're here at Sunday school this morning. The victory may be that we had just got up that morning and only read one verse before all hell broke loose. And I got phone calls and emails and, and life began to happen. But I know if God can take little victory upon little victory upon little victory, that he can declare that the greatest thing that is standing against us will have to fall like the giant that fought against David. Because David knew it's upon line upon line and precept upon precept. And if God is going to do it here, he's going to do it over here again. I believe that day David declared war on the spirit of fear, on the spirit of anxiety, on the spirit of complacency, that I'm not just going to sit by, but I'm actually going to hit it on face forward, and I'm going to run right after it. They tried to tell David, that's, that's, that's crazy. <laughs> you're, you're, that's too much. You can't do that, David. And yet Psalms 73, verse 28, New Living Translation, Psalm 73, 28 says, but as for me, how good is it to hear how good it is to be near God? I have made the sovereign Lord my shelter, and I will tell everyone about the wonderful things you do. David began to proclaim the victory of God. I'm going to tell everybody of the wonderful things that you do because I have made you my shelter and my hope. 
When we have sheltered in God, there is nothing that can come against you. There is no lie, no, no devil big enough. When we shelter and put our trust and hope in the Lord our God. We find where Daniel had to find courage in the midst of trials. In Daniel chapter 6, a group of political motivated administrators laid a trap for Daniel by manipulating the king to sign into law a regulation that would be put, anybody would be put to death who worshiped any other God but this one God. And Daniel, in the midst of all that, his conviction and fervent prayer was that in spite of all that is going on around me, despite being thrown into a lion's den, despite the punishment, I must be true to who God really is and that he's faithful and just and he's true. And we find where Daniel three times continued to go to the window and have the effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man that said, come hell or high water, my God is still bigger than everything else. No matter what comes against me, no matter what I'm faced with, no matter what may happen, my God is still greater than everything else. Daniel chapter 6, verses, verse 10, out of the ESV version, says, when Daniel knew that the document had been signed, he went to his house where he had windows in his upper chamber toward Jerusalem. He got down on his knees three times a day and prayed and gave thanks before his God as he had done previously. He knew what was being said and what could be done, but he refused to give up. He refused to tower or cave in. Now, this is not something political, I promise you. I'm not trying to go politically. I'm trying to say in your own life, what have we allowed to become complacent? In my family, what have I allowed to walk through those doors by streaming services? In my heart, my mind, what have I allowed to be looked at by social media? In my heart, my mind, what have I allowed to be spoken into my life by the people that I have around me? I'm telling you, like, it, it, it's, been a, it's been a prayer, like, God, take it out if it doesn't belong. Take it out if it doesn't belong to you, if it doesn't draw, draw me closer to you. Daniel's courage grew through three times of prayer. Now you're, you may be saying, Pastor Tim, at my job, I can't. Man, I get it. When I, worked, when I worked for this company, it was hard to get away. But you know what I started doing? I started drinking a lot of water. which caused me to go to a room of rest a couple different times a day. And when I would walk in there, my first response would always be to check if anybody else is in here. Nope. And I'd stand for the minute the wind, at the mirror and just put my hands out because I just knew if somebody was going to come in, I could you know, easily start, oh, yeah, yeah, just, just, just washing up. But I'd stand in the mirror and I'd just begin to pray, God, shake this place God shake me shake me and mold me that I can be more like you that when people see me they see you that when I speak it's your words not my words and so help me for that and it doesn't have to be a long prayer it just would be these, these times I'd go into the bathroom 
and I'd start washing my hands and they say to sing the birthday song as you're washing your hands and I would just do a prayer as I was washing my hands. That God, I just want to be more like you. No matter if, if the, the job doesn't want me to or the people around don't, don't like me, but I know that you're merciful and just. Psalms chapter 56 verses one through four. I think these are my last ones here, yeah. Psalms 56, verses 1 through 4, the NIV. It says, be merciful to me, my God, for my enemies are in hot pursuit. All day long they press their attack. My adversaries pursue me all day long. In their pride, many are attacking me. When I am afraid, I put my trust in you. When my adversaries are on my, on my tail, I put my trust in you. When my, when, my, when my job's going crazy, I put my trust in you. When, when circumstances and life and situations begin to happen, and it happens to all of us, but here's our heart prayer. God, I put my trust in you. My marriage is falling apart, Pastor Tim. Yes, but my trust is in God. My children are, are going every which way. Man, I put my trust in you, God. Verse four, in God whose word I praise, in God I trust and I am not afraid. What can mere mortals do to me? What can mere mortals do to me? Because why? My trust is in God. Rather, I'm walking through the hard times or the easy times, let our trust be in God. Let our heart be that we trust in Jesus because we don't have to be afraid. Doesn't matter what come, let our voices constantly be raised that our God is bigger. When David faced Goliath and Goliath started to, to, to chant at him, to say things to him, to try to get him to slip, to mess up. And David said, you come to me with your sword and shield, but I come to you in the name of the Lord. Take courage this morning, saint of God. Take courage this morning, person that maybe it's your first time here, and we thank you so much for being with us. Take courage to know that God loves you. He cares for you, and he's caused you to rise up higher because he doesn't want you to stay where you're at, but he wants you to sit with him in heavenly places. I, 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 I did tell you it was my last verse, but I actually want to just read these ones over you. I don't even know if I gave these ones to you. It's, it's Isaiah chapter 54, verses 1 through 4. Did I give those to you? I did. Okay. Isaiah 54, verses 1 through 4, the New Living Translation. And I feel like this is, would you stand to your feet? We're going to end here. I feel like this is to be spoken over us this morning. And that's the sing, oh, oh childless woman. You have never given birth. Break into loud and joyful song. Oh, Jerusalem, you have never been in labor for the desolate woman now has more children than the woman who lives with her husband, says the Lord. All that may be coming against you is going to be greater and you're going to see greater breakthrough than what people may be saying about you, says the Lord. Enlarge your house, build an addition, spread out your home and spare no expense. For you will soon be bursting at the seams. Your descendants will occupy other nations and resettle the ruined cities. 
Fear not, you will no longer live in shame. Fear not, for you will no longer live in shame. Don't be afraid. There is no more disgrace for you. You will no longer remember the shame of your youth and the sorrows of your widowhood. What the Lord wants to do this morning is to take away the guilt and shame from yesterday. And even when it says widowhood, it's talking about my current situation. He wants to take the guilt and shame of even your current trials, circumstances, and situation to be reminded that I got to start building the more and ready to take on the more. Because cities will be resettled and ruined cities will be rebuilt and God will be glorified and his glory will fill the place where we will be sitting and God will fill the place of my house. God will fill my car. God will fill my children. God will fill my marriage. God will fill my disgrace. God will fill my shame. God will take it all away. But it's gotta be that we rise up in courage to know that it's him and him alone. So as our prayer team comes up here, I don't know where you're at. I don't know what you're coming in with, but I do know what you can leave with. And I do know that's courage. That's hope. That's grace. And I hope I've conveyed that to know that, hey, I needed a loving Savior. I needed a loving Savior. And so we're just, I'm just going to pray for you guys and, and then you can be released. And I hope and pray that if this sermon has hit in any which way, shape, or form, I would want you to come to the front to receive prayer. And even if you just want to come to the front by yourself and, 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 and do some prayer time, I really think it'd be awesome if we did. So right after we get done praying, I'm just going to invite everyone who would like to to the altar. Because today is the day of salvation. Today is the day that you will take courage. So would you put your hands out? Like just getting ready to receive something because I know he's giving out gifts and he's a good father. He's a good father. So, Father, I thank you for today. I thank you for the life and breath that we have this morning to be able to hear the word that is spoken and we're just saying, Father, that I know today you want to download courage, courage to rise up, courage to stand, courage to, to, fa to, to face the, the statistic of that I, I, I'm, I'm going to have to be a bad father. No, that's not the case. I'm going to be a good father because you give me life and you give me breath. I'm going to be a good husband because you give me life and you give me breath. I'm going to be a good son of God because you give me life and give me breath and you give me victory over sin. So this morning, God, I just say that over every heart and every mind, let us know that we no longer have to walk and guilt and shame, but when we give our hearts to you, you take it, our mess, our mistakes, our failures, and you give us your joy and your peace and your love. So this morning, help us to walk in that. And if it's our first time giving our heart to you, Jesus, let it be that right now we just say yes to you to be Lord and Savior of our life. And if it's the hundredth time or the thousandth time, or just a reoccurring time, God, that I just want to give my life back to you because you're good and you're powerful and your mercy endures forever and ever. So we thank you for what you're doing. We thank you for the work that you have already started and you will continue to do a good work in each and every one of our lives. 
and not just in my life, God, but I'm excited what you're going to do here at Valley Church. I'm excited what you're going to do to every person that heard this word and that's going to hear this word, that they are going to rise up like the spirit of Daniel that says, I'm going to pray and my fervent prayer is going to be that the heart of God is going to be heard over America, over our city, over our state. The heart of God is going to be heard over my children. The heart of God is going to be heard over my family, over my wife. The heart of God is going to be heard over my, over my subdivision. The heart of God is going to be heard at my local Walmart. The heart of God is going to be heard everywhere I go. Because everywhere I go becomes a perfect health zone for you. Everywhere I go, I take ground for the kingdom of God. So we thank you for it. We thank you, Lord, that we get the chance to be able to eat together today. To, to, to sit. We just bless the food this morning. And most of all, God, I just bless every single person that's here today. From the front to the back, to the left, to the right, from the oldest down to the little itty bitty babies. We just bless them this morning that they walk in perfect love that casts out all fear. We thank you for it in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. If you would like to receive prayer, our prayer team is up here. They'd love to get the chance to pray for you. If you would like to go, you are more than welcome to go. God bless you. Um, don't forget, we have Social Sunday in the back. But make sure if you are going to be leaving, at least greet someone on your way out. Tell them they look amazing. Tell them they're powerful. In Jesus' name, God bless you.